listening to Flux Pod. My name is Matthew Perpetua. This episode features the comics artist, writer, and editor, Hazel Nulevant. And we're going to talk all about Of Montreal. Hazel and I are both very big fans of Kevin Barnes' body of work. I'm going to get into at least a bit of all the major Of Montreal records, but especially, you know, like the ones you all love. You know, your hissing faunas, your skeletal lampings. Don't worry, we'll spend a lot of time on those. And if you don't know the others, I'm going to play some bits and pieces of the songs we talk about in that. But before we get into Of Montreal, I just want to remind you that if you want to hear all the FluxPod episodes, including uh, my recent Sonic Youth audio essay series and uh, college radio type episodes that I do on some Saturdays, you got to hit up patreon.com slash fluxblog. Just uh, $5 a month gets you everything. Uh, also, I want to say, if you enjoy this episode or any other episode, please share it. There is uh, no big money corporation behind this. Uh, there's, uh, you know, it's very hard to get the word out on podcasts unless you got the money behind you, and I do not. So, uh, any word of mouth, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Anyway, let's do it. Here comes Hazel. Hazel, can you tell the audience who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm Hazel Nulevant. I am a cartoonist. I do graphic novels, um, mostly autobiographical. I've done some things about uh, music history, and I'm working on a book right now that's combo autobiographical snippets and queer history research stuff. And I feel like you have a, a very special distinction in the world of comics where I feel like you have firsthand experience and a certain level of mastery over like all the different parts of it, including editing. I, I feel like it's very unusual. Oh, thank you. I don't know if it is, but um, I, I will accept the distinction, mastery, whatever label. I've uh, put together a couple anthologies. One was by comics by women about gaming called Chainmail Bikini. And one was comics about all different sides of abortion called comics for choice. And then I've also worked as an editor for uh, lion forge. I do some freelance stuff for, for second right now. So uh, yeah, I do have my hands in a lot of the different steps in ushering comics into being, which is, one thing I really like about it, I like self-publishing and like just dealing with all, trying to balance all the many aspects and complications. It's a fun challenge. So today we're going to do like a whole episode on Of Montreal, and we are both very big Of Montreal fans. Um, I'm just curious, like, what was your start with Of Montreal? Like, what was your entry point? Yeah, so... Fortunately, so I've been following your blog for a very long time, just to give the listeners some perspective. I think I found out about it from Spin, like a list of MP3 blogs, something like that. Uh, so you talked in an episode recently I, I re- about... <laughs> <laughs> I really like that because like, yeah, because Spin was like my introduction to so many things. So I like the idea that like that was a, a, a torch being passed in some way. Yeah, I, it was either spin or vibe, but it was definitely something that I was subscribed to. And you were talking recently about writing music reviews for the 14-year-old who wants to 
get put onto cool shit, which was definitely you to me. But fortunately, it wasn't your blog that introduced me up to of Montreal. I feel like that would be embarrassingly incestuous, but <laughs> it was some podcast that I was listening to when I was like 14 that managed to have they played like full songs, which I don't know how they got away with it. Uh, I mean, I think how they got away with this must have been like 2006, 2007. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was a real Wild West. Yes, that's what it was. Um, and yeah, just it had Heimdall's Gate, like a Promethean curse. And I was just like, this bangs, this goes. synths and um i think also as a young teenager i was really drawn to humor in music like i was very into cake and um they might be giants also beck so i think i was drawn to the humorous slash word salad aspects of of montreal and just like how catchy it was yeah i what, i feel like uh oh, oh are you asking like what, what was my introduction <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna ask <laughs> the first one i know i heard um like when i was in art school i lived in this like big uh loft with like a whole bunch of other people and one of them i can't remember who is probably my friend jane had a cd of i think maybe their second record like the it's a long title like the bedside tragedy and there was one song i really like took to on that and just put on a tape and just dubbed it down to like other mixtapes over time but that was uh sing you a love you song which is this very it's like you know early of montreal is like super super twee it's like elephant six stuff it's really before i think kevin finds their voice they walked to the garden in the park when it was empty after dark and spread out a blanket and lay down yeah we were talking about that i said i was gonna listen to the whole discography because i hadn't heard the earlier very twee records and you mentioned how there's this like changeover what do you think that was all about i think it's just some artistic evolution i mean there's that song requiem for omm2 and that's like mm -hmm. requiem for of montreal mark ii so 
like that's so what you're hearing with the beginning of that record is like okay here's of montreal mark three and i feel like by now we're probably on of montreal mark like nine or ten in his uh, in uh, kevin's mind oh by the way i should say kevin mm-hmm. came out as non-binary pretty recently and uses like, yeah it, 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 <laughs> pretty much every pronoun that's available they use they so, yeah or uh, i know they use he she and they i don't know if they use neo pronouns but yeah i saw that yeah okay yeah but yeah like the, the, <laughs> the big three uh yes. Ke- kevin uses them uh I, I feel like I want to like default to they, but I probably will let some he's through. So yeah. yeah. Good to let the audience know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I mean, it made me happy. You know, I know that OM has explored all of these different angles on like gender and queerness and in their sort of coming out Twitter thread, Kevin was talking about, um, you know, dressing really femme for performances, which, you know, their stage shows are such a classic part of them and how like realizing that that reflected like a true aspect of themselves and could be labeled like gender euphoria. Um, And yeah, it's just cool to like see the evolution of this artist and yeah, right. Because I, I feel like it was there the whole time, like in, in in different ways. And right, I feel like what was probably started as drag started becoming, oh, this is actually like a real part of me. It's not like in quotations. It's not as much a performance as I originally thought. Yeah, totally. It's really moving in a way. But yeah, that's uh, just wanted to get that out there. So uh, yeah, just try to default the days as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. wait, where was it going with this? <laughs> oh, right. Uh, the, 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 at this oh, point, like, there, there, there's a lot of evolutions through that career. And, um, for just for the purposes of my listening, I, I generally see satanic panic is the start of the thing that I am really invested in. And there's like definitely songs before that, that I like, but I don't really listen to them very much. Yeah. Same. But yeah, I think like the Satanic Panic in the Attic is really the one where like it really clicks. Like the sound of the the band really comes together. The thing that anyone would recognize, and you know, it shifts around from there on out. But that's kind of like the recognizable of Montreal aesthetic. Yeah, it was interesting to me to look at the Wikipedia and see the chart of band members and how Kevin's the only one who's been there the whole time uh, I was actually surprised that the bass player wasn't more consistent because I just you know kept hearing this like distinctive of Montreal bass that I kind of think of as like the wraith pin to the mist bass that's yeah. just like cruising and I was surprised that that hasn't been played by the same person the whole time I mean, on the records, it's almost entirely Kevin. Ah, like he, it, Kevin's like a real, like almost like a Trent Reznor-ish kind of figure, where it's mostly just them. Or Prince. Mm-hmm. I think Prince is probably the more relevant thing for Kevin. So, 
you know, I can't remember like what was the tipping. I feel like uh, maybe when Sunlandic Twins came out, like Wraith Pin to the Mist probably grabbed my ear, and I think that was probably it. And I think for all, like a, like a lot of people, I think Hissing Fauna was really the thing that just made me pretty ride or die. That's probably I would probably say that's my favorite album of that whole decade. <laughs> Oh, damn. It's, a, like, it's not so just huge to me. I love every single thing about it. It never gets old to me. I do remember you writing about She's a Rejector. Mm. I feel like I've written about uh, at least half of those. Um, but yeah, Heimdall's got to... Uh, I just remember hearing Kevin say it out loud, and it just really stuck in my head. So I don't even know if that's the exact pronunciation, but it's Heimdall's got to, like a Promethean curse. <laughs> um, but... Like, I feel like that song is such a good introduction to of Montreal, especially for people who are young, people who are just kind of coming in. It really sets up the vibe. But also, I think the lyrics being what they are, like this very, like, plain spoken thing about, you know, mental illness and feeling imbalanced. And like, but also with the humor of, of just kind of like, you know, <laughs> demanding that your brain uh write itself for you right now i feel like that's uh it, it's relatable and funny and the funny does not like step on like the intensity of it yeah i don't know that's true well said <laughs> so right so let's talk a little bit about hissing fauna that's the big one that's the most popular one it's you know, I think it's probably both of our favorite. Uh, heck, Skeletal Lamping is my favorite, actually. But um, the the two of them are just so good together. So where, wherever you want to get <laughs> I, it. I don't think we necessarily need to have to pick our, our top favorite. Because <laughs> it, it, it will just kind of move around anyway. Because I think I probably, like, I feel more Skeletal Lamping right now than Missing Fauna, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure. But I think a lot of I think a lot of sure. the attachment to this stuff is really depending on like, you know, what's resonating with you in your own life in the moment. And uh I guess like more broadly speaking, like so like when you think of of Montreal, like what do you feel like you connect with? Like on a conceptual level or a lyrical level, musical level? Well, I connect with just how Kevin writes about love. I feel like I've been sort of, you know, like they have this overarching relationship with who was it? Nina, somebody that's like talked about through all of these different yeah, albums. Kevin's, like their uh, Norwegian wife. And divorce. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I just relate to, to so many sides of how they talk about, that relationship, like the very hypomanic kind of falling in love feelings. Like they talk about wanting to like lose themselves in a relationship and just like give up their, their identity, Um, you know, just like really over the top stuff in all these different songs, but like, I feel like the sort of like self-destructive edge is really mm-hmm. romantic. 
and then the songs um, after they broke up or got divorced, reflecting on the relationship. I put a lot of those on the playlist that I sent to you. Like, there's just so many, I don't know, specifics of like trying to have empathy for that person. Right. And- I, I, I- contextualize this love while like naming all these things that are fucked up where I'm just like, yes, that's it. Like you, this song speaks to certain situations in my life, like better than anything else I've ever heard. Uh, and also, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just jams. <laughs> right. But yeah. It's just lots <laughs> so of bops, uh, absolute genius melody. Um, but yeah, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I think that one of the things I, I find really interesting about Kevin's love and hate songs is how much those two really kind of feed into each other. And there's ugliness that kind of comes up in the sweetest stuff and the sweetest stuff, you know, and vice versa. Um, and really... Mm-hmm unafraid of showing the worst aspects of their personalities, like a pettiness, uh, a desire to control, you know, as well as be controlled. There's just, it's just the, the whole stew of human emotions that go into this stuff. And I think Kevin, I mean, I don't know, you just take the cue of this huge body of work that probably feels a lot of things very, very intensely that a lot of people might feel, you know, not quite as intensely, but it's still stuff that most everyone would feel in a human relationship. Uh, Yeah, I was thinking about that, like, to be this kind of artist, like, do you have to feel love more intensely than other people? Or is it just that combined with, a certain gift for being able to express things beautifully. Like, yeah. I guess it's a bit I mean, of as an artist, do Just you like, feel like, you know, there's a, a, a perhaps unusual intensity that you put into your work or is that maybe not the kind of artist you would identify as? Uh, I was actually thinking about my comics in comparison to of Montreal music, which is, you know, maybe a little self-flattering, but I think there are some parallels that I can draw. Like, you know, I'm doing autobiographical work and, you know, a lot of it is like writing about specifics of relationships, whether it's like specifics of like love or or breakups or you know something fucked up that happened that nobody else was around to see and um I mean like Kevin's songwriting reminds me of my life and therefore it reminds me of the kind of thing that I'm putting into comics uh which you know maybe just speaks to how great they are but like like I don't know I think about sort of the same things of having this body of work made throughout your life where you know some things are when you were really in the thick of it really in love with a certain person and then it reflects that but then people can read through or listen through and like connect to 
these different feelings. And like, I think I try to do something similar of like, just putting really raw, like specifics out there in the hopes that it will connect to something more universal. Are there things that you've heard in Kevin's songs that you're like, wow, I can't believe you went there or that far. Like, like what, you'd be like, I, um, like, I don't think I could do that. I, uh, I mean, they're so willing to show their own ugliness. Um, I don't know. I find that very like scary and commendable. Right. I mean, I think even just like, I'm like maybe vaguely nervous to talk about some of these songs because I think even just saying that I strongly identify with something is me saying more about myself than I necessarily want to. (laughs) So (laughs) to actually be the person like writing some of this stuff. Um, I think a really good example to kind of start on is like kind of like the song from the end of Kevin's marriage is kind of like, the, it's, I, I always think of it as being kind of like, like his, I feel like it's like their attempt to do like, a, here's, here's the ending of the story. I'm going to put a bow on it. Uh, the, the song like Ashoka's uh-huh. Inferno of Memory. I don't know. I like that record. Um, and I was actually surprised that this song was like the one for you, because I feel like Kevin is sort of like kind of summed up the whole relationship in different ways in a lot of songs. Um, for me, the one that really stands out from that record is Virgilian Lots, which like, I just feel that, one so, so what about that one because uh, that's one i i don't know as well that's because i think with especially with some of these uh i don't even know what middle period records where i kind of like will pick my three or four uh-huh. ones i like a lot and i've heard those a lot and there's others i haven't heard quite as much so that's one i don't know quite as well yeah i mean same for me and i think it's interesting that you know we have these different perspectives of listening through and being like this is the one or this I, is I would say like one. more broadly speaking that album is definitely like that's ma- like maybe like the the broader idea of that record is just like the post-mortem whereas a record like paralytic stalks is really just like the absolute depths of a thing falling apart so and that's like maybe two records ahead of it yeah so you have this kind of phase i mean i think that's part of why like that little period of of Montreal 
like I kind of, I think in a lot of ways kept that some distance because the ugliness and the pain on those records could be a little too much to handle. And it was just too real. I feel like there's people touch on these things in songs all the time, but having a real sense of Kevin and just the, the full picture of a life presented in like a huge body of work, it felt more personal. It felt like, even though I, I mean, I've talked to Kevin professionally a couple of times, but it's, it was like a person I don't mm-hmm. know. And it, it felt more like, you know, someone, you know, going through an incredibly tough time. So like, there's a, there's a level of empathy that kicks in beyond sympathy. Right. But it's almost like, voyeuristic like somebody laying themselves out there like that i just like the chorus of virgilian lots where they say grieving for you my love and i don't understand what's going on like i could listen to that oh yeah that part's really i I listened to that one just before we we started talking just to refresh my memory yeah that part's gorgeous i I think the thing with uh ashoka's inferno of memory that i really respond to is just as i was saying like he he will kind of really get into the cruelty and that's so central to that song but then also having the song also has this arc where kevin gets a kind of a comeuppance and then kind of a has kind of a happy ending so it it really kind of goes through this whole like arc of feeling in like six or seven minutes but there's like the parts like that are like really nasty um what's actually I, i put out some of the lyrics where it's like I heard you whimpering from behind the red curtain. I just rolled my eyes and went back to my book. I realized that if ever there was something oh, yeah, alive was in so you, good. something I could love, that thing must now be dead. It's like, that's so brutal. <laughs> like, like even for Kevin Barnes, that is so brutal. Yeah, it really. But I is. feel like I feel like everybody yeah, just- who's ever had a relationship of any kind like fall apart. Like that is so recognizable as a feeling yeah for my um for what i've been working on now it has all these different history sections and i've been reading all these books about the history of the battered women's movement and like the idea of abusive relationships generally and it's just interesting because it's just like all of these different frameworks and theories to just contextualize like just pain and sadness and like things that no one else was there to see. And, you know, people have theories like, well, how much is it based on gender? Like is, you know, mutual battering real or is there always like a primary aggressor? Um, Like, I don't know. And I, I feel like the way that Kevin writes about their relationship, like speaks to the, just the, the complicatedness of it. I think a lot of artists want to protect themselves, especially from, you know, coming across as an abuser, especially right now in the past, like four or five years. Yeah. And I feel like in these songs, like Kevin is not really like, is kind of being pretty open about some abusive tendencies there's uh, the song Spiteful Intervention comes to mind, and that one is just outright cruel. How does that one go? Okay, so that one goes, uh, 
I spent the, the, the chorus of that song goes, I spend my waking hours haunting my life. I made the one I love start crying tonight and it felt good. <laughs> Still, there must be a more elegant solution. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but it's so real or like talking about the, darkness or fucked upness even within the love songs um one of the ones that i put on the list that i wanted to talk about was gallery piece just because like that's one of my that one is just like every feeling yes it is it's so yeah and yeah even within and i don't know maybe part that's like part of why i find it so romantic is because it's like seasoned with a little bitterness you know it's not just like i want to like make you happy and do everything together it is like very codependent if you want to put it that way i want to squeeze your thighs i want to kiss your eyelids that corrupt your dream i want to crash your car Scratch your cheeks, I wanna make you sick I wanna sell you out, want to expose your flaws I wanna steal your thing I wanna show you all, I wanna tell you lies I wanna write you books, I wanna turn you on I wanna make you come 200 times a day I wanna dry your tears every time you're sad I wanna be your what's happening Right. It's definitely codependent, but I also kind of see that song as kind of like, it seems like, it doesn't seem like a really, like a mid relationship song. It seems like a, like an initial, you have just met this person and you want, it's almost you want to devour them. You want to have every <laughs> single experience you could possibly have right now, right now. Yes, so it's just like definitely. every arc of a relationship, like overlapping at once in that song. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to like experience a whole life with you yeah it's uh well there's also there, a line where like i want to be what i want to be your what's happening i want to be your only friend <laughs> yes yes there we go see if we're you know putting it in a context of like best practices for healthy relationships <laughs> there you know not at all. best practice for healthy relationships is basically handing someone like 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 seven of Montreal records and be like, don't do any of this. <laughs> or hand them gallery piece, but like cross out certain ones or be like, this is problematic because. <laughs> oh, I'm just, now I'm just looking at the lyrics but right it's now. Okay like, how many, many cross outs you have? You, it's mostly cross outs. <laughs> I mean, I want to turn you on. Cool. I want to make you come. Sure. Got it. Uh, I want to sell you out. I want to expose your flaws. I want to steal your things. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's so uh, beautiful. Skip those. Skip those. <laughs> yeah, I th- and it also just expresses, at least in my mind, a desire to like become one with someone, which I feel like also reflects a certain like gender fluidity. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to like be separated by any barriers of difference you know they want to dress the same it's a very 
similar to a lot of Prince songs, that song, because yes. it's the same thing of like, I want to be you, but yes. I want to, I want to be your girlfriend. You. I want to fuck you. I want, yeah, it's just, it, it's a, it's a lot of this confusion and uh, not necessarily confusion that like the things negate each other. It's just like, a <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I see, I think a lot of skeletal lamping kind of overlaps with kind of like, uh, Sign of the Times Prince. Yes. That's like specifically one of my t- sign of, yeah. Princes. So yeah. Like you know, so gallery piece and if I was your girlfriend are, are pretty similar songs in a lot of ways. Um oh another song that you you had pointed out from this one, which is also one of my big favorites, uh-huh. is Try Phallus to Punctuate. Uh, yeah. what, what, what is your vibe on that one? I have a lot of like feelings and like past with that song. The Greek chorus of my skull is choking on their dulcet tones. Ten lashes on the ass of anyone who even tries in heaven's patience, glaring down at us, filling your womb with black butterflies. You don't have to try to steal nothing from my heart, because for you, anything you want is always free. To you, you'll never walk alone. Far beyond a self abuse of shame, I live to make you call my name. that I picked it is because I was trying to think of how to articulate what of Montreal's humor is like. And like at first, before I went back and listened to things, I thought that it was mostly about like a sort of word salad surrealism. But then now my estimation has been updated to think that it's also like the incredible specifics and yeah. Trifalis to punctuate reminds me of something that one of my friends, when I was a teenager and we would go see shows together said about of Montreal, which is that they'd like just put all this random sounding stuff out there, but then suddenly it'll switch to be like the most, like one of the most like deep and precise articulations of a feeling that you've ever heard. And I thought that Trifalis to punctuate kind of brings that out between the verses and the chorus where the verses are abstract. uh, And then it's like, guess I should be happy for you, but your fame ain't done nothing for us. Like, you know, switches to a simple, relatable thing. Yeah. I feel like there's kind of like two or three separate ideas in that song. So like, yeah, that the chorus really has that kind of like, you know, we hate it when our friends become successful kind of thing. Uh, but there's <laughs> also like, uh, I mean, one of the parts that always stuck out to me is the part in the middle, which is just like one of the, the really sweeter things in these songs. 
uh, the part where it's like, a, you don't have to try to steal nothing from my heart because for you, anything Aww. you want is always free. Love That's that line. True. And then immediately jumping to the silly or sexy part, like send your freaky fantasies to my phone, black condoms on vanilla ice cream cones. Yes. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's giving me like back midnight vultures. Yeah. Also, love, they tell the joke yeah. right in the middle of it about like, you know, you should call me sometime. I will oh, yeah, answer, yeah. but at least I'll know you care. Like, that's just a banger of a joke right in the middle of the song. Right. So many jokes. Like, also just, I love the way, especially in the skeletal lamping era, just the, the, the total unapologetic horniness of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of scanning through the lyrics of this record. Yeah, There's so many that, great lines in this false one. False priest, very horny. Yeah, I love the whole thing. This the whole, it's the whole damn catalog. <laughs> um, oh god, uh, you also really like it, Engager. Yes, that is that's my number one. He's just a slutty little flirt, and sister. He's only gonna hurt I'm screaming out to you from the depths of this phallocentric tyranny. My self-concept is awaiting your invasion, clumsy penetration, punishment. Oh yeah. When the hope of another wet nightmare is all we have to live for. Can't help it if it's true. Don't want me, oh man, just wanna play with you. strutting it's so strutting also i think it's interesting because um most of the like i feel like generally they talk about wanting commitment or like extremely intense relationships that's one of their few songs it's like you know casual casual sex but uh there's a really great joke at the start of that song. Like, and it, it's, there's kind of like two or three songs on Skeletal Lamping that have a similar joke, but he's just a slutty little flirt and sister, he's only going to hurt you. Ladies, I'm screaming out to you from the depths of his phallocentric tyranny. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Also, <laughs> let's talk about can't help it if it's true. Don't want to be your man. Just want to play with you. Mm. I think it's, interesting how like a relationship just like this like being your man or your woman like there's a whole like gendered relationship role that expands out from that one word you know and you can think of it as like you know I don't want to be committed or somebody who you're trying to rely upon, but also like, I don't want you to put those gendered relationship expectations onto me. It reminds me of, that's one of the false priest songs where they say like, I had like zero pleasure till you excuse me from your archetype. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny. Cause like I, I, at this stage of Kevin's life, like still married, you know, 
still kind of living this one life. I feel like that song really pointing in the direction of uh, a different way of being. It would have been a very different way of being. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it let's put a pin pin in that one and come back to it with polyaneurysm in a little bit oh hell yeah (laughs) um another song that i think is on a similar wavelength on that record is beware our nubile misgrants uh which great baseline in that one but that's the one um where he's where kevin's really kind of getting into this um like male jealousy almost kind of like this incel point of view. Like you only like him because he's sexually appealing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> what a great so... opening line. It, uh, but, yes. But, but then like the rest of the song just kind of gets into just how fucked up this guy is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's like, you know, he fucked your sister in an elevator junior year and let your brother suck him and then beat him so he could prove he wasn't queer. And what do you think he has in store for you, my dear? Yeah, that's a perfect example of like, humor by being so specific like he's the kind of a-hole who'll leave you in a k-hole to go play halo in the other room oh what an amazing line also the Mm -hmm. internal rhymes in that's so great has some serious predatory predatory domination issues oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) right it's like it's it's such a dark song and like no one in this song really comes off well but it's just like so recognizable yeah i mean i guess arguably kevin by like conveying this warning but it's also probably for a a self-serving reason (laughs) exactly and i've always kind of listened to this song kind of like is an thinking of it as an unreliable narrator where like how much of this is true and how much of this is someone being jealous and angry and like trying to talk someone out of being with someone besides oh true that yeah like oh this is what i heard yeah it's this song (laughs) this song is so messy (laughs) there's i mean you know i mean god we could say that about most of these songs i think but that one is so messy i think skeletal lamping is is it's really delights in this like messiness of relationships and this being kind of fucked up and kind of being um self-destructive it's it's all just right there in this one and in in ways where it's kind of joyful it's really like very manic phase yes yes I've always really liked Mingus Sings on that one, too. And that one, I think, has, like, some really... I, I think that's one I've just... Hold on. Huh. <laughs> um, well, there's just... Okay, so, in, like, in Mingus Sings, you get, like, some really, like, top-notch self-pitying ones where, like, I feel like an accidental species, some mutant love child never meant to be. <laughs> but, like, I've always really liked the part where it's, like, 
I just wanted to fire all my friends and start over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's peak destructive messiness. I, uh, there's a couple ones from innocent reaches that speak to me very much like my fair lady and trashed exes the like right and, and the note you said like same energy to yeah me. yeah same energy <laughs> of just like uh, uh i don't know like anger and sadness and like glee of moving on i just love in trash exes where they say like i saw her withering and thought good i'm glad <laughs> also i love to think about an athenian beach goth um, is a different girl an athenian beach goth we have so much to live for the living's not one of your talents Innocence Reaches is, is a is a weird record. Yes, it is. It, it's it's very much like a in between kind of record. Um, and it's it starts with like two like really super accessible songs. Like the, I mean, literally the first song is called "Let's Relate." Yeah, and then uh, it's different for girls. And I feel like those are two songs that are really like reaching out to as many people as possible. Oh, totally. Um, and then the rest of that record just really goes into this really weird funk. Yeah, almost yes. literally. It's, it's literally a weird <laughs> funk, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of back to the paralytic stocks energy a little bit, mm-hmm. but then it's also becoming accessible again. Like it's like you could leap right from false priest to to there. Um, yeah, I love fair my fair lady though. Just. The whole like I love like I love going with that title. Yeah, yeah. Like because you've been so damaged, I had to give all the love that was meant for you to somebody else. Um, like just, just that's that's the feeling to me of like putting a trash fire of a relationship in the past, but. Be also being like, fuck you for not being someone who could make this work. <laughs> yeah. So the song that you chose from False Priest, like, so before we did this, we just kind of like, mm-hmm. like threw down some songs we definitely wanted to get to. Not like an, not the official list of everything we could talk about, but, uh, but you, the song you chose was Our Riotous Defects, which has, uh, some Janelle Monet on it. She appears on a couple of those songs. Oh, true that. 
well, shit. Now I'm worried I don't have anything. Well, on that record, uh, you have Solange and Janelle Monet. Uh, before they really took off, like Kevin, like really got was a booster of both of them, like very early. Yeah, in their career. that was so fucking cool. Didn't we see them uh, with? I think Janelle was there at Webster Hall. Yeah, I mean, I've seen both of them as opening acts for. I mean, I I remember seeing Janelle for the first time, probably when they were touring for Skeletal Lamping. Oh, dang. And just being blown away because, like, she's just, like, one of the most, like, incredible performers. They're both from Georgia, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure how Solange got in the picture, but, you know, yeah, I think there's that Georgia connection. Yeah. What a powerhouse connection. And, like, at least of Montreal and Janelle Monet are both so fanciful but in different ways right and like yeah this like uh like big ideas like uh like very very funky very uh melodically uh generous Mm -hmm. but is having like big big personalities like very like extroverted performers right and like narrating a whole reality and for one it's more arch android and for another it's some sort of weird Greek myth offshoot. <laughs> so w- what is it about uh, our riotous defects? I think that one is like a very funny one. It's, it's a lot of that song is like that, that kind of like funny monologue. Yeah. Shit. I don't know if I have anything to <laughs> add to it other than what the song. Sometimes just it's like that. Sometimes is. it's like that one rules. Yeah. It just <laughs> rules. I, it's just uh Oh, I think maybe I was also reflecting on um, how they felt. I mean, it's probably fanciful. This probably isn't literally a diary entry, but, you know, where they resent that they were made to get a Bowflex. I was like, (laughs) see, that's there's so many, there's so many funny little lines that like, there's like something about like, you know, someone's like, there's the the dismissive, like your friend's blog. (laughs) I I love the part because it's like, I think they're talking about like being in Al-Anon and like, I remember like, talking about like this woman, like singing a bit of the the parliament song, all your goodies are gone. That's what it is. See, I always pictured like Sierra goodies, which I knew was not right, but would be interesting yeah. yeah it's it's like such a funny cartoon of a song when i first met you at that Alanon meeting and you made that reference to all your goodies are gone and even sang a verse i was amazed how husky your singing voice was i wanted to talk to you so badly but i didn't know how to come on because you got that kind of beauty that makes people nervous I know it's fucked, but before we got together, I even hooked up with one of your cousins just to feel somehow closer to you because I knew like you guys were best friends and you talked every day and it was thrilling to touch something that had touched you. In my head, you were like this goddess, but in fact, you're just a crazy girl. You're just a crazy girl. You know, I feel like False Priest. Uh, False Priest is interesting in the light of like the the previous two records because I feel like 
in some ways they're trying to, you know, make a little bit more of a commercial record because the the possibility is there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like so much weirder. Um, and it, it has like this kind of like odd, like tightness to it that is, like, I think stands out among the other records. Um, there's some, there's some, also some like really nasty songs on it. I mean, I think Sex Karma like works really well as a single that move that could just kind of exist outside of all of this. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's the one with uh, this is the one with Solange on it, and it's really just like a horny love song, and that's about it. There's not really yeah, like I a, think as I, much like weird stuff going. I on I think I put one. Sex Karma on quite a few uh, flirting mixed tapes around that time. It, I mean, because it stands it's well made for that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely made for that purpose. Yeah, because it's also like a, a getting to know you song. Yeah, it's interesting that there's like a lot of love songs and then our riotous defects. So it's like, you know, track, it. Track two. Right. But I mean, <laughs> on the record. So in the timeline, yeah. it's like, you know, is Kevin like fictionally like extrapolating some of like the unhealthy trends from their relationship while still also really being into it. So from false priests, they go to uh, paralytic stalks. Well, I guess there's, there's a controller sphere EP between, but you know, the next record is paralytic stalks. And that one is really just like, to me, such a fuck it record. It is yeah. so like, I'm, I'm going all the way. I don't care about making anything remotely commercial. I want to make, like I'm I'm going through something and I'm not holding anything back. Yeah. That's that's my general vibe on that record. Yeah, I think so. It's uh it's really thorny in a nice way. You wanted to talk about We Will Commit Wolf Murder, right? That's one of my my biggest favorite of Montreal songs. You know, as you know, saying that like this is like a very like uncommercial record. That's kind of the most commercial one, even though I don't think they actually like made it, they didn't really promote it. Um, they you know they went for spiteful intervention, which you know <laughs> <laughs> like slightly shorter uh, kind of uh, just almost too mean to listen to. Wow, yeah, that's but, interesting. Uh, I mean, I. I don't know. I'm a poptimist. I like jams. So we, we will, will commit- we will. Yeah, that's a jam. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it goes off on a weird tangent towards the end, but it just has like that really great groove and like the melody is just so immediately engaging. It's like, it's the song on the record that you could like, you could have just put on, you know, hissing fauna or skeletal lamp and it would just, it would fit in just fine. True that. But, there's there's so many lines in that song that just resonate with me so so deeply, especially in kind of like 
more depressed times even just like the the part where it's like you know lately you're the only human i believe in i tried to understand his logic but there's just no pattern there um but i think even more so like the like now i'm considered ugly from every angle you're the only beauty i don't want to strangle can't you hear me crying out for guidance yes we hear but we don't care Like it's it's yeah. so it's so funny, but it's also just so like despondent. Yes, yeah, it's it's so beautiful in that unhealthy way. Right. Oh God. And then the, the line later, like I want to get all fucked up and tell you how I really feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's funny because I feel like like a few years later you get the weekend doing like when I'm fucked up. That's the real me. <laughs> I feel like that's the the less funny version of this one, or I guess I guess the weekend line's pretty funny too. But you know, I I don't think uh, Kevin means it quite as sincerely. Yeah, I, I this is the although Kevin seems like a person who absolutely has done that and will do it again. Get fucked up and tell you how they really feel. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they have that song about wanting to do ecstasy for couples therapy. <laughs> Wait, what song is that? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's from Your Fun, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's something about Christina. Yeah, well, you know, let's let's actually jump to that period. So, like, it's kind of like um, what is the, what is the one with the the double title? White like, is relic, irreal. White is relic, irreal is mood. Yeah. Uh, that one and your real, I'm sorry, that one and your fun and uh, the new one, uh, I feel safe with you trash. Like it's the Christina era. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Kevin falling in love again. And I think probably by all contextual clues, probably in a more healthy way, <laughs> but still like, you know, it's still Kevin. For um, sure. So, but so the the song that we both seem to like the most from uh, White is Relic is Sophie Call Private Game slash Every Person is a Pussy, Every Pussy is a Star. And like every song, uh, every, the album title and every song on it has like two titles. And like they're, they're everything on that record is kind of like two parts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real duality record. You beautify me like being in your vision. What do you connect with in Sophie Call Private Game? I feel like just the chorus, like, take this too far so we can see if it's far enough. I should move slower, but the past year has been kind of rough. Our paths are checkered. I don't care about that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah. I feel like that is just the ultimate new relationship mood where like everybody's got a lot of baggage that's still weighing on them, but like, they're 
there's something about just like, yeah, throwing yourself into something and not knowing if it's like the quote unquote real deal, but like, you gotta, you, you gotta take it too far to see if it's far enough. Like, I just, I just feel that. (laughs) Right. I think like that song, like almost more broadly, it's kind of like, okay, you know, you, you feel raw, you've gone through some stuff. Like the world seems to be collapsing around you, but you know, (laughs) and you want to feel like, oh, I'm waiting for something. I want to be ready, but like, the world doesn't care if you're ready. The world gives you opportunities to do things or not do things. And the song is saying, yes, I will do this. That's true. That's true. There's like, no I, right the, choices. The, 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 the end choices. of that chorus being, I have to trust the optics of you, which is an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, not that I've gotten divorced, but it feels very post-divorce. Yeah. Major, major divorce energy uh, from... <laughs> in, in this, yeah, I feel like there's almost like this is like the last of the divorce records, and then you're kind of fully into like new relationship vibes, energy. Yeah, yeah, or like it's it's rebound, but also this might be really good vibes. On yeah, that song. yeah. I mean that one. I mean that song just has like so many like huge like contradictory or like emotional swings in it like near the top of the song it's like waking up to your compliment makes suicide sex positive it's good for us depressives to keep someone else alive yes yes and uh, then like then the second part of the song which, which is much brighter it's like there's that line like you whispered don't be vulgar while I was <laughs> making you come which is so funny <laughs> mm-hmm but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I really like the idea of on this record that like you have like these, the, all these songs are kind of like these diptychs. So, you know, you have like the more neurotic side of the song and then like, you know, okay, what, so what happens when you say yes? And the second part of that song is really more that and it's more ecstatic. Yeah. What are some of the other diptychs? Um, which one? I've always liked paranoiac intervals slash body dysmorphia. Yeah. And uh, also like writing the circles orgone tropics is pretty good. This record overall, I think is really good. Yeah, I was stoked when it came out. Just. You just it's just a vibe the whole way through. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's. I feel like of Montreal because like there's usually a record every year and it like to the point that it can be hard to keep up. And like, if you, you know, I think there's some years where it just didn't hit me right. Or I just wasn't quite in this, the right, you know, this was, it just wasn't looking up, but then some years you're like, Oh, I'm absolutely hit me at exactly the right time. And that's one of the ones that hit me at the exact right time. You know? Yes. I mean, same. Yeah, come to think of it, I think 2018 is actually when I, like, got into my current relationship and, you know, was really feeling that exact thing. But, uh, yeah. It's always nice when you kind of line up that way. And it's like, it's like, oh, thank you for writing these songs for me. Yeah, I had to catch up to talk to you, though, because I just haven't been taking in 
new music very much in a while. Like for, for my art process, I'm having to like do a lot of research reading and then writing. And yeah, none of it's very conducive to listening to music like drawing is. So what do you think of your fun? Cause that's like the real, like I'm in a new relationship. It fucking rocks. <laughs> it, the cover is literally like Kevin and Christina looking longingly in their, into each other's eyes, like in a convertible. Uh, it, it makes me intimidated for them to be putting like themselves and like, this is who we are and you know, both of us and we are in love. Like I'm I'm nervous for them. It's the first time Kevin ever put their own face on the cover of a record, you know, but, so that's a whole shift because it's usually David Barnes's artwork on the covers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. That is, it is such a risk. And I feel like so much of it is like, fuck it. Like <laughs> we're doing this. And like, you know, when you're doing that, like, yeah, the odds that we'll break up are like, not, <laughs> not small, you know, like most human relationships end one way or another, <laughs> but yeah, it is a real, just like, throwing yourself into it and being really unafraid that you will look foolish later. And I really appreciate that element of it. It, I think it reminds me of um, uh, the Ariana Grande record sweetener where it's like, she's like, fuck it. Yeah. Was that her song called Pete Davidson on it? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that's something that I like about Ari's music is just like the, unapologetic head over heels infatuationness of it. Like I find it very charming and I guess this is giving me a similar energy. Yeah. I feel like Ariana Grande is like, it's one of the best aspects of her music. Like it's one of the things that she expresses more powerfully and convincingly than a lot of other people. And, um, and I think, Kevin has a similar skill. I mean, Kevin, like we've, we've gone into like how much of the catalog is about like these very tormented feelings, but uh, the, the expressions of love and lust are also like so potent, like yes. all the way through. And uh, I mean, the song that like was kind of the, the main single and it's my, my favorite on it is polyaneurysm. And that yeah. one is like definitely a humorous song. Like, I'm not sure, like, how much of that song is, like, exactly what's going on in their relationship or lives. But the thing that I've, I find really great about that song is, like, writing from the point of view, like, Kevin, probably, like, 45 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, like, trying to, like, keep up with the young people, like, the people who are, like, you know, changing these mores uh just like being like oh yeah i want to keep up with this not in, like this embarrassing way but like we'll still like use like language that you know is funny and flows but you know is also self-conscious right like are is he a basic bitch <laughs> right exactly uh the, yeah the line is like uh if you want monogamy are you just like some basic bitch <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great line. It's it's a good question. Is that true? I don't know. 
IDK, I cannot say, can I be chill with this? Something about open couples doesn't feel real serious. I guess all the same, I'm polycurious. Playing musical lovers is starting to feel kind of pitch. If you want monogamy, I live just like some basic bitch. I guess it's just whatever current sitch. I guess it's just whatever current sitch. Like the, the whole concept of the song, just for pe- people listening, is that <laughs> Kevin's fallen in love with someone, or the, you know, whoever the, the the protagonist of the song is, and like, but they're you know, Polly, and just being like, okay, I'm gonna try to roll with this. I'm not gonna, you know, you know just trying to just trying to like just be okay with it, while also like being like, eh, like you know, definitely out of their depth of of experience. Right. I mean, certainly listening to most of their other songs like i feel like it engager is one of the only ones that expresses ambivalence about just like sinking into another person so you know this seems like based on that very weird for them but um yeah it, it I is lo- such, sorry yeah it is like a, those two songs really contrast in a funny way so you have like the song like in the supposedly monogamous relationship and then on the other side, it was like, wait, oh, is this this is weird. I don't know. <laughs> like suddenly, like, uh, like coming from the the point of view of someone who's like a little bit square, who might be a basic bitch. <laughs> yeah, the the age thing is definitely a part of that. Um, I, th- I, I think they're maybe like fifteen or so years apart in age, something like that. Uh, yeah, I love to see art that. Um, talks about like open relationships or poly whatever in a way that's not just like it's a love triangle who you're gonna choose um and the the selection of like music or books or whatever that directly address that is is kind of limited but um you know I, I like this for being like I'm I'm having some feelings to work through. I'm feeling insecure. I'm not sure about this without like trying to be. Yeah, but more than anything, just being game. You know, like I yeah. like I'm not judging. I want like I'll I'll you know it seems worth it. Right, right, or like I, I don't know if this is for me, but uh, it's you know it's chill. Yeah, the age gap kind of goobs me out. I don't know. Kevin reminds me of me, but they also remind me of my ex, who was like. 20 years older than me so you know it's, yeah. it's interesting like just like it's, it's one lyrics. of those things that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing but very often can be yeah goobed out that's how yeah some great some great titles on your fun like uh get god's attention by being an atheist yeah is that the one that's mixed to sound really loud yeah it's kind of nirvana like and then there's like deliberate self-harm haha <laughs> 20th century schizophrenic revengeoid man. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of moving it's away from like the, a fun record. Uh-huh. Kind of moving away from the titles where you can't possibly relate to the title of or by the lyrics, or you just have to remember the connection like a mnemonic. 
Right. Or you, or you have to like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Or, or you have to like wiki it to figure out what is that? What is that a reference to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what does Virgil, Virgilian lots mean? I like that though. Who is Sophie Cal? I feel like Kevin Where is Convinger? Sorry. It's given me a lot of Easter eggs just in my life. Like, you know, I'll be like watching like Valerie and her Week of Wonders and be like, I heard about this. Mm-hmm. Like this is just like a phrase jangling around in my head. So but I mean, I know a lot of other people are more in need to fill in the gaps in their knowledge. Like when they don't know a word or a thing, they'll look it up and I'm just like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> I, I really like that. Like that, this body of work really points in the direction of so many other works of art and fiction and like theory. Like it's this the, <laughs> it, it really is like this thing. Uh, I feel like a lot of art I really like can do this where it's just uh, a repository of ideas and, you know, you, you can come to it and from there go to lots of other things. Mm, yeah. And if you follow up on any of these paths, you'll be shown something interesting. Yeah. I feel like it's being a good artistic citizen in a way. I mean, you're a music blogger, so that's kind of your jam. Yeah. A lot of embedded but, but I'm not making like art. So that's, you know. Uh, oh, so while we're kind of on this tangent, um, have you listened to the new record much? Uh, which is, uh, uh, I feel safe with you, Trash. Not, not much, but I did preparing for this. Uh, I like that there's some yeah, hyper the pop that, in that there. That's fun. Oh, I'm sorry? I like that there's some hyper pop in there. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a fun palette for them to be playing with. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just broader and weirder than your fun, but still in like a positive headspace. Right. I, I like the just kind of like jumping to a new extreme. Yeah, it's just... Um, you're you're right. It really is like the hyper pop stuff kind of crept in, and I think there's a few artists I can think of like who have been kind of like playing with a lot of this stuff for a long time, but now the world is catching up with them. I think of Montreal is a really good example of that. I think Sleigh Bells is another one, um, but the song I really love on this one that I was I've listened to so many times through the past few months is Fingerless Gloves. get to know that one at all uh i i listened to it i thought it was great but uh yeah what's particularly speaking to you about I mean, gloves? that one just has like this really like <laughs> like aggressive aggressive bonkers energy to it 
Um, there's like a real like bounce to the melody that I like a lot. And then I really like the part at the end where it just like suddenly goes like really metal. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a palette that they've played with so much either. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of sleigh bells. Oh God. I looked up this song on, um, on genius.com. Uh-huh. And the first line in the song is I'm just a practical NBP. I know that time is made out of plastic pretty sure non-binary person but the, I, the annotation is like natural born poet maybe <laughs> yeah it, it might be natural born poet let's just it. it could be either i i mean i hear nb a lot but i have not seen it extended to nbp like ever, i think it's so. like melodic though right <laughs> mm. but yeah well, I mean, but it's also in a verse where the, like the they mention like Truscum Dolly Boys, so it's like pretty sure that's the the general. There's a Truscum Dolly Boys. They might pronounce Truscum, that probably. Truscum, Truscum yeah. is like uh, I think that's like transmedicalists. I think that's people who like think that there's like a very narrow way in which you're allowed to be trans, and you have to like get diagnosed, even though that whole process is very gatekeepy. I think that's what true scum is. Yeah. But, and that, yeah. that's my general understanding. I think it, there's a lot of like phrases like that where it's like, I have like one context for it, but like, I don't really have like the fullest idea of mm-hmm. the, the conversation around it. It's just like things that just kind of pop up on the internet. Yeah. Or like this is exposed. I was ready to talk about how, you know, Kevin has tweeted about, you know, being non-binary and they put on their Twitter what their pronouns are, but then they put it in a song too. So, you know, we can just keep it within the context of their catalog. Yeah. It's, I I appreciate Kevin kind of uh, foregrounding that and kind of making it like part of this, you know, I feel like anything going on in Kevin's life ends up being like part of the music. It's, It's just that kind of person, that kind of artist. Yeah. So I appreciate like this kind of coming to the fore on this. And, you know, I feel like this record and a little bit the the one or two before it really kind of uh, getting a new sense of self or like refining a sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, 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 the uh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, the white is relic tour. And the one after that, that's like when Kevin was performing just like in full, like hyper femme drag. I thought they'd always performed like that pretty much. <sighs> On and off, but like it would be like them. the whole show. Uh, yeah, I guess um, that's funny. Cause I, that's like the only way that I ever remember them performing is like in dresses and skirts and makeup and stuff. But you know, yeah. maybe when they changed out of it, I'm just like, I think like maybe the distinction to me is just like how it it was the the particular outfits and like the wigs being worn. It was definitely going for this kind of like cool bimbo look. (laughs) That makes sense. It's so cool to be a bimbo. God, I wish I could be a bimbo. I I would, you know, himbo, bimbo. I'll take either. Bimbo fine. Oh yeah. Hit me with the bimbo vacation, Ray. I'll be fine. That, that's what they should bring to the next show. Oh my god! What if they had a bimbification ray, but then it shot confetti or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a good moment to talk about the shows. Yeah, I think you, you, you've seen a bunch of shows. I've seen a whole lot of shows. 
so what is your experience of seeing them live? Uh, they're probably my most seen individual band, but that might add up to like, between six and eight shows i'm not sure wait no guster is my most seen individual band but second most and one that i'm feel more artistically connected with now uh what was the first time you saw montreal like around what for time i don't remember it would have been in after skeletal lamping came out Oh, perfect time. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I would, all my little, like, homeschooled gaby friends were also very into them. And we would all Did you all dress up? Uh, I don't remember us getting, like, particularly fancy. Uh, (laughs) I've dressed up more. I I think it was like, I've just been to like a lot of shows and like, there's always like a contingent of people who just like really dress up for it. And I've always loved that about of Montreal shows. Yeah. um, No, we didn't actually get particularly fancy, but I think we were just very excited about like the glittery, like gender fucked energy. And, um, yeah, like I said, like I don't even remember Kevin dressing like a man at shows, but I guess it's happened. But, <laughs> but yeah, know, I, I definitely remember like some outfits that are definitely like like masculine, and but sometimes it would just be like a, a masculine camp, you know. Mm-hmm. It just kind of depends on the vibe and the moment, I guess. But That's uh, true. the most memorable stuff, changing. yeah, the most memorable stuff tends to be, you know super super femme or super like you know just just th- this is a razzle dazzle or also the most sexual looks he's had like like a lot of times is being like pretty much nude on stage um i mean god i mean the most memorable of montreal show and i've seen a bunch that i would count as memorable but i saw the very very famous one where they played at roseland ballroom and they had the horse come out and he was like riding a horse on stage and you're just never ready to see a horse on stage. Yeah. Damn. That's just like studio 54 shit. Right. And you know, Kevin is just wearing, I think basically just a loincloth. <laughs> it's in that moment, just basically naked riding a horse on stage and singing St. Exquisite's uh, confessions. Oh, good. Is that the one that goes, I'm so sick of sucking the dick of yep. this cruel, cruel city? I Indeed love that. That one was uh, is giving me a lot of prints, too. Like, that could definitely... It's, like, a little more word salad than Sign of the Times, but it's <laughs> kind of on that wavelength. <laughs> I'm so sick of sucking the dick of this cruel, cruel city. I forgot what it takes to please a woman, but that's all
That sounds great. What year was that? That would be uh, 2008. Yeah, the, it's the, yeah, it's the yeah, it's the year after Hissing Fauna. So, and that's also like the biggest show I've seen them play because that's like kind of like the peak of their popularity. And that's like at Roseland Ballroom. Did you ever get to go to Roseland Ballroom? It's, it, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh I forget. Where, I mean, it's pretty huge. It's like it was a midtown. Um, yeah, it's a, but it's a very, very large venue. Um, yeah, it was absolutely packed. And there's a whole bunch of things I really strongly remember from that show. Like, so the horse thing, you'd never forget the horse thing. Um, (laughs) there's, there's some really good, um, because it was like such a big show, they had like special like props and stuff made for it. There's one part where like he simulated hanging himself, which was insane. Um, and then there was a part, I remember this may have been other shows from that tour as well, but, uh, Kevin and Nina, like Nina was like the sexy nun and Kevin was kind of like this evil Pope. And that was for like Wraith pinned to the mist, if I recall correctly. Oh, hell yeah. But the thing that, one of the things that really stands out in my mind was at the end of the show in the encore, they played smells like teen spirit (laughs) and they played and they had, um, I think Andrew from MGMT on drums. So they had two drummers. They're really just doing like the most faithful version of smells like teen spirit. It is incredibly just like musically like on point and people were reacting as though Kurt Cobain had walked on the stage out of the grave and was performing it himself. Like it was people going absolutely. It's really one of the most like intense responses to a song I've ever witnessed. I'm sure that like I seeing Nirvana would have been pretty much the same thing. And it's one of those things where you realize like teen spirit has like this kind of like weird power over people. Like it has like, it just hits like these primal triggers in so many different people. And if you just play that song, well, people just go crazy. Yeah. I guess the combination of like a favorite musician playing a favorite song, even if it's not theirs and it being like a surprise, I mean, I mean, on the last tour, they were playing it. another Nirvana song. They were playing Breed. That was, that's, that was at, like, I saw them at Elsewhere. And that was, like, last oh, year. I managed to I see them in 2020. That. What? Whoa. Yeah. Elsewhere, great venue. The last time venue. I saw them was, uh, was it, like, Poisson Rouge? Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I missed was... that show. I I didn't see you there, and it was a pretty small venue. Yeah. But I, I remember um, running into you at the Knockdown Center, and that was the uh, White as Relic one. Yeah. Oh God, that's good album, good shows. Yeah, the the Poisson Rouge one, which I think was in 2019, was the one where it really struck me. Like, there's so many trans people in the audience. I love this for us. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think has always been the case, but it's just like people are articulating themselves in a different way. Like, you know, people who I used to see them with as a teen, many of them have transitioned now. So that's so nice. Yeah, just just uh, channeling their energy in in different ways. Uh, Oh, you know what? We haven't really talked much about uh, Lousy with Sylvian Breyer, which is kind of like in the narrative like marriage has ended i've 
run off to California for a little while. Uh, the song that really stands out to me on that record, it's kind of going back to like mean of Montreal is Bill Glade mm-hmm. Missionaries. have much memory of that one uh i gave it some extra listens because you said that it really stood out to you and like uh i like the cynicism on it it's yes i feel like that's exactly it um like so many of the lines in that is just kind of like a pretty like brutal read on someone um like you know and also just like Someone who seems like pretty fucked up and like they're only a little bit sympathetic to that. So like there's the there's a part like kind of towards the beginning of the song, like from your first psychotic episode to your drug induced schizophrenia is your dysphoric mania that makes you so likable. And everybody wants to save you, save you just for themselves. <laughs> like, that, I that love punch that reversal. <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite things for songs to do. I don't know if it's called something, but just like kicker. You have a line that means one a kicker. Yeah. yeah. You have one that means one thing and then you extend it and you reverse or totally change the meaning. It's good to me. Yeah. The, the other one, other verse in that song I really like a lot is like, well, you post naked gifts of your epileptic fits and keep track of your hits <laughs> and your friends don't give a shit and view your fugues with amusement. All the evil in the universe, there are no victims, only participants. Which yes! is a bold yes. statement, that one. But yes. <laughs> For sure. A, a bold statement that is maybe... It's one of those things where if you think about it too much, you're like, oh, wait, that's, 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 that's an insane thing to say. (laughs) But if you're kind of like in that cynical headspace, it's such a, like a, like a, like a mean cynical thing to say. Right. Totally. I, I feel like that really gets to the spirit of like examining this toxic relationship and who played what part and like none of the songs sound like they totally got run over except for I guess our riotous defects which is you know also seems very fictional yeah but yeah it's a big like we're both tearing each other down energy Belglade Missionaries strikes me as kind of like a very like Tumblr era song. Yeah. Like I can't help yes. but like take that you post naked gifts of your epileptic fits as being, it seems as very, you know, almost like parodically Tumblr. <laughs> but, it's, but I feel like yeah, that song yeah. and some other songs on that record seem like, obs- not necess- it doesn't really seem like necessarily like the way other songs feel like very autobiographical. This is about Kevin's relationship. This just seems more like observing people and just being kind of like bitchy. 
That's true. You could be seeing anybody's uh, naked gifts of their ec- epileptic fits, not necessarily. Right, because um, I feel like the thing that's being criticized in this song is like, it's. I mean, it's basically like looking at a person who, and who <laughs> is not tremendously different from Kevin Barnes, uh, who is kind of exploiting their damage um and being you know almost kind of glib about it like there's the other line Mm -hmm. where it's like i have a sense that you want to be the female henry miller cynically referring to your lovers as your pricks and exploiting other people's madness (laughs) and you know it's but i feel like a lot of this song really strikes me as either unknowingly ironic but probably knowingly ironic like it's like kind of like it's one of those things where like usually the things that you hate the most about other people in the most in- intense way is like recognizing something about you that you hate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, or that's just uh, just too close for comfort, just a step away from you. And um, narcissism of small yeah, differences. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I get a lot of that from that period, and you know. I feel like there's a lot of r- really brutal stuff on Soldier and Briar. Like there's that other song. Um, oh, fuck, what's it called? Hold on a second. A Triumph of Disintegration. And that one just has like that kind of like miserable but triumphant chorus. Yeah, I just feel like that's that record is like, it definitely kind of has like the mindset of someone who um, who's been through a bunch of stuff and almost doesn't care anymore. They're just kind of like, it's it's yeah. messy in the it's, unfun way, whereas there, like skeletal lamping is, is like messy in a fun way. Yes, I mean it's messy. It 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 feels like all the wind's been knocked out of you, to me. And it, and that one also has, I feel like it has less synths or is like a less electronic sounding. I mean, I know it's like electric guitars with effects on them. If I remember correctly, I think, I think Sylvia and Briar is one of the ones where there is like a band that has been hired to play on the record with Kevin. Mm, Interesting. Check on on that. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a whole, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a lot of the people who are in the regular live band. So that is like the most like rock band of these records. Yeah. So you have like Jojo Glidewell, uh, you know, some other people, there's some other people who kind of uh, were passing through at the time. Are there any other songs that we should probably mention before wrapping this up? Like big favorites that we just haven't discussed in any way, shape or form. Uh, we didn't hit the passes or grotesque anime.
what a great song to go out on. Bringing it back to Hissing Fauna. <laughs> One of the darkest songs in the world. The past is a grotesque animal. 12 minutes of absolute just like self-punishment. What is your vibe on that one? <laughs> well, it's partly influenced by you that I always uh, think about you tweeting about seeing them at live shows and that song exsanguinating you. That always really stuck <laughs> in my head. And I was like, yes, it, it I don't remember that, does. but yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I remember like seeing that once, uh, like with someone that I just felt a lot of that about. And oh, it was no. just like torturous, but yeah. Oh, I bet. But I mean, that's artistically that's living. Yeah. It's living. It's feeling really sad and uncomfortable in artistic and memorable ways. It's such a groover though. Even with this song, it's kind of like kind of a dirge. It just has such a great momentum to it. Um, I will say that when I listen to Hissing Fauna, I often skip that one. Uh, because it's like, uh, you know, you don't always want to go there. And it's also, um, you know, it, just, it, it, it is kind of a speed bump in the middle of the record. So I, I often will just kind of jump past it. Yeah, that's fair, but it's not too much of a speed bump. Normally, I it, it doesn't kill momentum. Through. Normally, I don't sit momentum. through a song that's more than six minutes. But, you know, so I feel like it's remarkable songwriting that I'm, you know, willing to go on that journey. And it is a journey. Yes. I'm pulling up the lyrics of the past of the grotesque animal. I just want to like remember some of this stuff. <laughs> oh God. Even just like lines, like uh, how completely wrong you can be. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's, that's the one where it's just like, uh, I fell in love with the first cute girl that I met who could appreciate George Bataille. Uh-huh. Standing at a Swedish <laughs> festival. Disgusting story of the eye. There's so many lines in this that are just brutal. Like it's so embarrassing to need someone like I do you. Uh huh. (sighs) At least I can author my own disaster. (laughs) It's it's funny because like there's all these things that like you know people talk about these these artists like emo bands and stuff like that. Like oh my god these these lyrics are you know it's like and and I'll see them like it's like real mild sauce compared to a Kevin Barnes song. Yeah, the the hit rate of just like just like gut punch like you didn't know that it was that way but it is kind of lyrics is just just incredible. I think there's also a benefit like a lot of the stuff I was, I'm I'm not going to mention by name but I'm kind of blanketly dissing it, uh-huh. it tends to be written by people who are pretty young. Whereas I think Kevin's like around like in his early thirties or so or thereabouts, like writing this stuff. And I feel like having a slightly older perspective, like really adds a lot to these songs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're 17 and you're listening to somebody who's not much older than you, it's like the blind leading the blind. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God, another great want line from this song is sometimes I wonder if you're mythologizing me like I do you. Mm-hmm. And that, that's such a big idea, especially in this Arab of Montreal, the idea of mythologizing other people. 
and like kind of embracing that mythology, but also kind of distrusting it. Yeah. Yeah. Being uh, enthused about the pedestal. Right. Oh God. There's so many pedestal songs. Yeah. I mean, how about what, you? What, my new favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the songs that I really love that's a super pedestal song is like a uh, non perial of favor. And it has like that amazing part where it's like, um, uh, it's like you were always there on the tip of my tongue. I needed you to happen. And now that it happened and then it really came true. I want to thank somebody. So I'm going to thank you. Like there's that, that that's so unambiguously sweet and kind. <laughs> um, and I, I, I mean, I really love that, but then like that song will just, you know, within two not too much time kind of undermines itself a little but i appreciate that kevin allows for like these very pure moments to exist even in the context of the darker feelings but like to not really have them to necessarily have them overlap in a way that undermines either feeling <laughs> sorry i've I don't know if that's very true. <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. The path, the past is a grotesque animal. It, it, it is like that. Yeah. It, I've, I love the delivery on let's tear our fucking bodies apart. Let's just have some fun. <laughs> yes. Oh God. The, the line in that song is like, none of our secrets are physical. That's a great line. God. Yeah. That, that song really just, there's bits of horror, there's bits of lust, there's bits of fun, there's bits of like absolutely like like brutal self-castigation. You know, it's just it really it really just covers this whole ground. The uh I should mention uh I, I also really love uh Bunny Ain't No Kind of Rider and Labyrinthian Pomp on that side of the record. Those ones rule. I don't know if I have a lot to say about either of them. I like I like that Bunny uh, Ain't No Kind of Rider is one of the few songs that has my name in it that I that I know of and is also good. Where does it have your name? Oh, Matthew is there. Yes, he gave me the eye. Says it doesn't hurt to try. Oh, that's so flattering. That's your own yeah. Hey Jude. <laughs> Offering some uh, some sage wisdom. <laughs> Hazel, how can the world find you and the things you've made? Well, uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm at hnewlevant on Twitter and at newlevant on Instagram, where I'm not super active, but I'm there if that's how you like it. Uh, my website is newlevant.com, where uh, I have quite a few short comics and anthology pieces that you can read for free. Uh, and it also has links to buy my books, which is also newlevant.storeenvy.com. You can order stuff from me. And uh, I think that's a good plan. For the Of Montreal fan, I would recommend Sugar Town, which, if it was a song, I would liken it to Women's Studies Victim. Oh, what a great song. That, yeah, I agree. That is that is the right one to go in on if you're an Of Montreal person. <laughs> Thank you. Hazel, thank you so much for doing this. It was a pleasure having you on. Oh, it was great to talk to you and great to talk about OM. Thank you for having me. Yeah.